When I say the word work, how does it make you feel? Tired. I like that. That was one of the ones I had written. Frustrated? Tired? Uneasy? Maybe even ill? Depending on what you do for work? Hopefully that's not you, but for some of us, one of those or all of those are the reaction we have to even considering work. Even if you absolutely love your work, you, you run into times when you're not super excited to do it, where you're not super excited to, to go to work or to start your day, whatever that looks like. Work can be downright painful for some. In fact, some research shows that heart attacks occur most often on Monday and least often on Saturday. On the less serious side, but still important to acknowledge, think about the things you need to get you through your work, or really the fact that there are things we need just to get us through work sometimes. Coffee, right? And more coffee. And sometimes on those really bad days, more coffee. Mental breaks and physical breaks, maybe a nap. (laughs) I wish, right? And we end up seeing a lot of our days, a lot of our work, as something to just get through or to survive, which honestly is kind of sad. In 1977, before my time, of course, Johnny Paycheck, yeah, there was, it was before my time. That was eight years before I was born, okay? Eight years. In 1977, Johnny Paycheck sang a song that described then and describes now the way that many worn-out workers feel about their jobs. He sang it from the perspective of a worker who had had enough. It was kind of this idea of, you think I need this job, and I probably do, but I don't need it that badly. And again, I wasn't around back then, but my guess is the idea of him singing those words, take this job and shove it, along with other elements of the song, while, while seemingly tame today, were probably pretty edgy at the time. Some of you may be offended by that term now. I, he sang it, not me. But a lot of us view work as this necessary evil, right? That if we didn't have to do it, we wouldn't. Some see work as a curse. Some function like the lyrics to another well-known song, everybody's working for the weekend. Some people even say things like, I'm, I'm working to retire. That's my motivation. I'm working to eventually not have to work anymore. Working to eventually not have to work anymore. That just seems like a, a, a crazy reason, but it makes a ton of sense. Now, we talked last week about work being something that God intended for us all along, even before sin entered the picture, before the fall of man. That work was part of God's plan for humans to carry out. And if you missed out on last week's and you want to catch up, I would encourage you to go back and listen on our website or watch uh, the playback on our Facebook page. But the question becomes, how did we get to the point where so many of us dislike work so much of the time? Well, work is hard and work is broken because sin entered the world. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. 
Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So both Adam and Eve were deceived, and they ended up doing the one thing God had told them not to do, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They sinned by their disobedience to God. And once sin entered the world, nothing would ever be the same. That sin, one moment, one act of disobedience, it it affected every aspect of life. There were consequences for their actions, for the entrance of sin into the world. And God goes on to explain just some of those consequences a few verses later, beginning in verse 17. To the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust into dust. You will return. See, again, I remind you that work was part of that original plan, the original picture that God had for humans. But notice the thorns and the thistles and the need to work even just to get food. This was new. This was different. This was part of the consequence of their sin. You see, sin broke the original plan for work. Then in verse 23 of that same chapter, Genesis 3, so the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. And so they were banished from this place of paradise, banished to a life where sin had affected everything in a negative way. In fact, if you're familiar with C.S. Lewis in his Chronicles of Narnia, in his book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he describes Narnia as once being a place of vibrant color and warmth before the land became cursed, causing it to always be winter. And in that mythical world he created on paper, what C.S. Lewis did was he described the effects of sin on the world and on the way God had intended it to be. What was supposed to be bright and vibrant and colorful would instead be dull, colorless, and even painful. That's life with sin in the picture. And that's work with sin in the picture. We weren't supposed to dislike Work. It wasn't supposed to make us feel so tired and even ill as we talked about a moment ago. In fact, imagine being excited to go to work every day. Imagine every moment feeling rewarding. Imagine harmony with all of your coworkers. It's impossible to imagine this life without sin. But understand, and we need to understand, that sin is what broke everything. And that includes work. Today, work is such a source of strife in our lives sometimes, but it also contributes to strife in the world. You know, just a couple weeks ago, as many of you probably did, I watched the State of the Union address. That's not something I always do, but I I had some time and it was on. And as I listened, I realized that a good chunk of what the president talked about uh, was work or things related to work because work is a part of everyone's life in its many different forms and its brokenness is not limited to the individual level. It it causes issues beyond that. In fact, I heard it said this way, the brokenness of work goes beyond just a frustrating day at the office but can lead to strife on a global scale. So it's problematic not just for us but beyond, but the truth is it's still on the personal level that we most feel the effects of the brokenness of work. Work for a lot of people brings 
physical and psychological issues. If, if you struggle maybe with, with depression, work can exacerbate that. But we can't stop working because we need money to live, and it's a vicious cycle. And if, if what you're doing is, is hurting you in your work, you say, I need to stop doing this because it's, it's hurting me mentally, it's hurting me physically, it's hurting me relationally. But we say, but I need that paycheck, and so I have to keep doing it, and it's a struggle. Depending on what your work is, it can cause physical ailments as well, from eye problems from looking at screens all day to cardiovascular disease and diabetes from a sedentary work life or a sedentary lifestyle, because when you get home from work, you just want to sit. And that's before we even talk about jobs and kinds of work that are, in fact, dangerous in and of themselves every single day. And you know I'm talking about school teachers, so that was just to wake you up. Some of, you, some of you legitimately have jobs where your life is in danger every single day, just doing your work. Think about police officers when they go to work. Think about firefighters when they go to work. Think about all of the, the people who, who work on you know, oil rigs and things like that that are dangerous, even truck drivers. That's a dangerous job every single time you do it. The brokenness of work has ultimately led us to the point where people are literally dying for a paycheck. It's a broken system and we're in it. And I know I've been nothing but a downer so far today, but I, I need to make sure that we're all on the same page here in our understanding that sin caused the brokenness in this world and that means that sin caused the brokenness in our work. And what that means is that even though we live in this broken world, and we participate in broken work, we don't have to accept it as broken. There is something that can be done about it. And I know it's ugly, and it's broken, and the ugliness and the brokenness of work can seem overwhelming at times or all the time. What are we supposed to do about that? How are we supposed to, to deal with that? What do you do if you hate your work? What do you do if you can't stand your job? Work was meant to be a good thing before the fall, but the fall of man happened and now it's broken and in a lot of cases it's killing us so what are we supposed to do well let me answer that question with a question what did jesus do with brokenness with sin and with death jesus he healed he restored he gave life when jesus encounters brokenness sin and death he heals he restores and he gives life I love the way that John describes Jesus at the beginning of his gospel. He refers to him right there from the beginning as, as the Word. And so here's what he writes. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You see, if you want to you simply state what Jesus was, Jesus was and is a life giver. And that life shines light into dark places. And as representatives of Jesus in this world, we have a responsibility to bring Jesus and his light to the world. And when we bring Jesus to the world, what we bring with that is healing and restoration and life in his name into every part of our world. And when we bring things like healing and restoration and life in the name of Jesus into every part of our world, we're bringing Jesus himself into every part of our world. And every part of our world includes 
work. We talked last week about how much we talk about bringing Jesus into the other parts of our life and how little we talk about bringing him into our work. Well, the, tr- the same is the truth true about life. We don't bring a lot of life into our work very often. We go and we, we realize that work is frustrating and it's painful and it seems to suck the life out of us. And if you go to work tomorrow, you'll probably be reminded that, that a lot of the time it is frustrating, it is painful, and it's a life-dragging force, not a life-giving force. But when we, when we remember that, when we experience that, what we need to do is to stop and to ask God to help us change our perspective. Because it needs to not be so much about what work does to us or what work takes from us. It needs to be about what we give to work, what we bring to the people in our midst as we work. We can bring new life to our work in the name of Jesus just as he brought new life to us. We have that ability, not because of ourselves, but because of Jesus. We have the ability and the responsibility to bring life to our work and with our work. In the tension that inevitably pops up in your work, we have an opportunity to pray for the people involved. We have an opportunity to pray that that tension could be dealt with. We can pray for our bosses. We can pray for our coworkers. We can pray for those people to have softened hearts in the hostility that we sometimes contribute to in our work, because we're not all completely innocent of that. But in the hostility that sometimes crops up, we can change the way we interact with other people. We can change the way that we handle those situations. We can ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to simply do our job better for God's glory, to give us wisdom and strength to do what we do with excellence, and through those things, bring more life to our dying or dead workplaces. You see, I'm afraid a lot of us don't often ask God to bless our time as we work, whatever that looks like for us. I don't know that that very many of us start our day and say, God, as I go about my work today, help me to do it well. Help me to work with excellence for your glory. Help me to be humble for your glory. Help me to, to be a leader for your glory. Help me to make good decisions for your glory. And I'm afraid we don't stop and we don't do that. Now, I will tell you this. Somebody reminded me of this, of this after first service. They said, if you're going to start your morning with those prayers, be ready because God will answer. And if you're going to say, God, help me to be humble as I go about my work today, God's probably going to give you a reason to be humble. And if you ask God to, to help you be a, a conflict resolution pro this week, there's probably going to be a lot of conf- conflict you need to resolve. But, but starting our days where we ask God and say, God, come with me to work. Guide me as I, I don't know that a lot of us do that. We may wake up and read our Bible, but then we leave it at home. We may wake up and say a prayer, but then we kind of leave that at home and we go about our work and, you know, work can be a pretty dark place. And I know that it's tempting to believe that we have no ability to bring life. We get down on ourselves sometimes and we believe. I, I don't know that I have any ability to bring life. I understand that. There are times that we feel pretty useless, pretty underqualified to do the things that God has called us to do. And in the midst of our work, especially when it's life draining, it's probably even harder to believe that we can bring any kind of life to such a place. 
But the good news is this, it's not our ability to bring life that matters. We don't really have that ability. It's Jesus bringing life through us. We don't have to have the power because it's God's power in us. We can bring life to our work because Jesus brought life to us and we are his representatives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning verse 14, it says this, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Life given to us through Jesus Christ. And Paul continues, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And when we understand that we can be made right with God through Christ and we accept that and we're baptized into his name, we become his representative everywhere. And that includes work. You see, we have this privilege and this responsibility to bring the life that we have received to those who need it in every area of our lives, including as we work. If you understand what God did for you through Jesus Christ, the life you've been given through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, that life becomes a light that you want to share with the world, to every person you meet, and certainly in every area of your life. Even if your workplace seems like the darkest place you've ever been. That darkness needs light, and you have that light. Jesus himself said it this way. I love this. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, he said, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, sometimes we, we miss the context of this verse a little bit because the truth is, when it says nobody lights a lamp and places a bowl over it, we put a lampshade over our lamps all the time, right? Like, we got to remember, we're talking about no electricity. We're talking about only lighting a lamp when it's dark, which means you want that light to be in the place and as unobstructed as possible to make it give the most light to the entire household. Here we are with all this light, and we go, well, let me, let me dim this light. Let me cover up this light. And so we don't always understand what that means. The idea here is that light is so needed and so important that it needs to be as bright and as widespread as we can possibly make it. That's what Jesus is saying there, that you are the light of the world, and it needs to reach as far and as brightly as it possibly can. The way you go about your work day to day, really the way you go about every part of your life, it matters. And it can shine the light of Jesus if you go about it in the right way. 
if you live the way he's called you to live and do the things he's called you to do, and if you can successfully shine the light of Jesus in your workplace, imagine the difference that would make in your own life. Imagine the difference that would make in the lives of the people you work with. Imagine being able to to begin to see the potential for your work and your workplaces to transform from places that snuff out life to places that are truly life-giving. And it's all because of Jesus, the life and light of the world, and our willingness to be his ambassadors in those places. And you might say, Craig, I've prayed for my boss, which is a hard thing to do sometimes. You might say, Craig, I've, I've worked on my attitude, I've, I've sought God's strength and wisdom, and I'm still miserable. I've tried to, to bring life to my work, but my work seems to take all the life out of me, and it leaves me for dead. I do my best, but it just gets snuffed out. What am I supposed to do about that? How am I supposed to bring life when that's what I'm facing? Well, well, first, I would say this. Persevere. Hold on. Stick it out because you can be confident that that God is with you, that, that he's in that with you. Trust that God is faithful and that where you are is but a moment and that God has a plan for you no matter where you are right now. But I'll also say this, don't be afraid to seek God's counsel on a possible change in your work. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job. Please don't, don't write a resignation letter this afternoon that says, my pastor said. But here's what I am telling you to do. I, I'm telling you that, that we need to be people who give God a say and whether we stay where we are and continue to try with his help to bring life to our work or whether we go somewhere else and with his help bring life to that work. You see, it's likely that a significant number of people, even in this room, have have changed jobs or made a change in their work without first seeking God. God wants us to seek him in the small decisions and in the big ones. When we make a decision without first seeking God's guidance, we are saying we know better. And I can tell you firsthand, I don't know better and I don't think you do either. Another question that comes up is this. Craig, you work at a church. We're talking about Jesus' welcome. It's not welcome in my workplace. And I get that. It's my job to talk about Jesus. I have it easy in that way. And I get that there are places where bringing up God or religion or church is met with hostility. It may even, whether it's written or not, be against the rules or company policy or whatever. And if you find yourself in that situation, I want to give you some really strong encouragement today. You can bring light and life to your workplace without ever saying a single word about Jesus or church or religion. I want to revisit verse 16 of Matthew 5 again. It says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, what I read there is about your actions. It's about how you live and what you do with no specific mention of your words. And I'll tell you what, words seem empty when they're not backed up by a life lived in line with those words, but actions speak loudly with or without words to back them up. You can bring life and light to your workplace simply by being kind. Maybe in your workplace that really stands out. You can bring light and life to your workplace by being generous or humble or forgiving or patient or all of those things. Now, those all happen to be characteristics that Jesus called us to have and that he, in fact, modeled for us. But we don't necessarily have to loudly state, I'm this way because of Jesus. If we might not have the opportunity to do that, if it's not acceptable to bring that up, that doesn't mean we can't still display those characteristics. 
And if you are that way, if you're a, a generous and a kind and a humble and a patient person as you go about your work, I think that'll make people want to get to know you. And I think eventually they'll figure out it's because of Jesus anyway. You can bring these kinds of characteristics, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, things that Scripture clearly tells us the Holy Spirit produces in us. We call those the fruits of the Spirit. We can bring those to work and bring life through them. I firmly believe that words are not. Eventually, that kind of living will be a light that points people to Jesus. So if you think you're not allowed to bring life at your work, I would challenge you to do it anyway in the way that you live and the things that you do. <clears throat> but ultimately, here's where I wanted us to get to today. I would suggest that a significant number of us have never truly considered the responsibility or the privilege we have to bring life through our work into our workplace. A lot of us have never tried to bring life to our workplace or through our work. We've never given it any effort. We've never given it a thought. A lot of us have compartmentalized our lives to the point where work is a completely separate thing. But again, here's the truth. It's not and it can't be. You can convince yourself that you've separated it, but you haven't and ultimately you can't. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to follow Jesus with all of yourself and not just the parts and pieces that are convenient or that you choose. When you put on Christ, you don't get to pick and choose when to take him off. You are his representative, including while you work, as you go about your work. And if we can come to that understanding, it should move us to action. You see, so often we get to this point where we understand what we're supposed to do, or we understand what God has called us to do. We may even be able to quote a scripture or two that back up what we realize God has called us to do, but actually taking the steps and the actions in our lives that it requires to carry those things out is something we often stop short of. We say, yes, I was, I was challenged by the message this morning, and, and, and then if I asked you next week what you did about it, a lot of us would have to look back and say, I but I, but I knew what you meant. Yeah, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't take any steps, but, but it's still in my head. I remember. I got it. I understood. I can quote it. But again, without action, without steps forward in our lives, we'll only know where we're supposed to be. We'll never actually get there. And so if you can understand that you have a responsibility in whatever your work looks like, and we talked about this last week, it's not confined to just the nine-to-five job you get paid for. It's not confined to that. It's whatever you spend most of your time doing. If that's, if that's maybe you're retired and you've got time to do some other things, I guarantee you, you're still doing things. One of the first amens I ever got in first service happened this morning because I said retired people often find themselves more busy than when they were working. And I got an out loud amen. It was pretty cool. Whether it's mentoring or volunteering or whatever it is, even if you're retired, your work is not done. You have some of the most important work in front of you. If you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, you say, I don't have a job, this doesn't apply to me. You have one of the most important jobs there is. And you have an opportunity in that with your, your kids and with the other people you inevitably interact with to shine the light of Jesus. You have that opportunity. Whatever it is that you spend most of your time doing, 
that you might consider work, you can bring light with that. You ready for this? You can bring light and love with yard work. I know, you didn't believe that, did you? Help your neighbor out with the yard work. That's an opportunity when you're out in the yard. The only time I really talk to my neighbors is when I'm out in the yard. And it's a struggle for me because I'm not a social person, but I know if I just ignore them, what kind of life and light am I bringing to work I'm doing? Many of you had to shovel, shovel your driveway the other day, right? I've got multiple neighbors with snowblowers. I don't have a snowblower, so I love those neighbors. But, but my, neighbor, my neighbor from two doors down, he came down. Uh, to, to, I had started to shovel, and he came down with a snowblower and, uh, and blew all the snow off my driveway. And as he was leaving, he didn't shut it off, so I didn't really get a chance to talk to him because you know, it was pretty loud. I yelled, you know, thanks, and I waved. And he put his hand up to, to wave at me, I thought. And as he walked by, I realized he was going for a high five, and I missed it. <laughs> and I thought, man, I hope he knows that I, like, I wasn't trying to be a jerk there. I just wasn't paying attention to the fact that he might want a high five. But, but even when you're doing work that seems so tedious, like, oh, man, i got to shovel the walk again, there is an opportunity within that work to interact with somebody and to shine the light of Jesus. We take for granted all of these things that we do, and we don't bring them into our walk with Christ, and instead we need to see everything as the opportunity that it is. Every single day as you go about whatever your work is, there are people involved in that, and some of those people don't know Jesus. And so here's where it gets practical for today. What can you do this week? In the work that you will do, whether that's the paid job or volunteering or stay-at-home mom and dad or whatever it is, what can you do to bring life with that work and to that work in the name of Jesus Christ? I put a blank in your bulletin. This isn't just something I want you to think about. It's something I want you to write down. Write down one thing you can do to bring life to your workplace and then go and do it. It may be something simple. In fact, I think you should start with something simple. You can bring life to your workplace by smiling more. Because a lot of you don't smile from the moment you hit the door to the moment you come home. A lot of you stay-at-home moms and dads, it's hard to smile when there's food on the wall and poop in the diaper, and it's just, <laughs> it's hard to smile at that. But you can bring life by simply smiling more. You can bring life with a better attitude. Some of you know your attitude is terrible when you're working. People are going to notice that. You can bring life with humility. Some of you, humility really has no place in your work. And yet if you're humble, man, that's going to stand out. You can bring life by resolving conflict instead of letting it fester, especially if you're a part of that conflict. You can bring life with any of those things. Decide right here and right now one thing you can do this week, one thing you can focus on this week to bring life to your work and go and do it. If you need help with that, what I would do is I would talk to somebody who sees you right before you go about that work and someone who sees you right after you go about that work and say, what kind of things do I complain about? What kind of things do I talk about? I'm guessing in that conversation, you'll find the thing you need to work on. You'll find it. And I'm confident that if you commit to making that change today, that God will honor that commitment. He'll be with you in that commitment. The Holy Spirit will be with you in your workplace. And when it's hard to be humble this week, which it will be, 
You can rely on the Holy Spirit. And when conflict arises and you don't want to deal with it, which will probably happen this week, you can rely on the Holy Spirit. And when you want to embrace the sarcastic or the downright mean side of your attitude, and trust me, if that's what you decide to work on, you will be tempted to let it rip this week. You can rely on the Holy Spirit. See, God gave us life through Jesus Christ, and he has called us to share that same life and that light to a dark world. And that absolutely includes our workplaces and through our work. So what can you do to bring life to your work in the name of Jesus this week? Decide, commit by writing it down, and go and live it out. God is with you. His Holy Spirit is with you as you work. So there's no reason you can't do this. There's no reason that you can't this very week be a life-giving force in the name of Jesus as you work. I'll tell you what, if you begin to bring life to your work, it'll make it a better place to work. It'll make your life better, but it could affect someone else's eternity for the better. We need to be people who bring life, not just to our work, but to every part of our lives, because we've experienced life like no other through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending Jesus to be our example of how to walk this earth. But God, even more, thank you for sending Jesus to be a sacrifice that gives us life. God, we may not have, we may not have felt dead before we knew Jesus, but God, spiritually, we were. God, before we met Jesus, this life is all there was. Now we know that there is life beyond this life that you've given us through Jesus Christ. I thank you for his sacrifice. God, I pray that, that understanding what Jesus did for us would move us to action in this life to let more people know what he did for them. God, there are people we work with every single day that have no idea we follow Jesus. God, there are people we work with every single day that have no interest in coming to church. God, help us to breathe life into those relationships. Someday, they might come to know you. They might come to believe that you sent Jesus to die for their sins. God, we go to a lot of dark places. Help us to bring light with us. Thank you for trusting us to be your representatives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.